Hello and welcome to the Connecting Minds podcast. My name is Christian Jordanov, your host. Uh, thank you so much for joining me today. On this 21st episode of the podcast, I have a conversation that I'm going to share with you with Dr. Amber Krogsrud. She is an expert in women's health and she shares a ton of insights uh, on this uh episode related to women's issue, health issues in general, how to use peptides, which uh, is something I'm very excited about uh, recently to address those health concerns and to optimize health. Uh, we also discuss other important things related to health, mitochondrial function, hormones. We discuss supplementation, including uh, a great supplement called NAD, uh, nicotinamide, adenine, dinucleotide, which can do amazing things in the body. So I think this uh, episode is not just essential listening for women who care about their health, but I think if you're a, a guy that has women in his life and you care about their health, it's always good to you know do learn a little bit more do a bit more research, how to keep the women uh, in your life that you love healthy. This is why I really enjoyed this conversation with Dr. Krogsrud and we'll certainly be applying some of her you know, advice and insights um, as much as I can. I really hope that you find this episode informative and interesting like I did. Uh, let me know how you like it. Don't forget you can watch the interview on YouTube. And finally, please share this episode with a friend or a loved one, if you think it may be useful to them. Once again, thank you so much for joining me on the Connecting Minds podcast. I really appreciate you investing your time. And without further ado, here is Dr. Amber Krogsrud. Connecting Minds is a space dedicated to honoring the amazing authors, researchers, clinicians, artists, and entrepreneurs who are contributing to our collective evolution or simply making the world a better place. These thought-provoking conversations are intended to expand our horizons, so come with an open mind and let us grow together. Here is your host, Christian Yordanov. Today on the Connecting Minds podcast, we have Dr. Amber Krogsrud. Amber, thank you so much for joining us today. Awesome. It's good to be here. Thank you, Chris. So um, the topic of today's conversation will be women's hormones and peptide therapy. So there's a lot of ground to cover, but I thought just to, uh, you know, we'll probably appeal more to the female audience. So let's start by setting a little bit of context, what are some of the most common hormone dysregulation issues that you see in your practice? And what are some of the factors that cause or contribute to them? Yeah, it's a, a broad question, but we can dive in in terms of a lot of the, the women that I see. So I'd say one of the larger populations that I see right now is uh, autoimmunity. So a lot of women with autoimmune conditions, even there's actually a risk uh, post viral load from COVID or any other virus that you can have a higher risk of some autoimmune activity in the body where essentially the immune system uh, begins to attack self tissue instead of mm -hmm. foreign pathogen. So that's a big one for women, uh, especially with periods of time in their life where they're going through massive hormonal changes. I also see a lot of women with PCOS, uh, polycystic ovarian syndrome. And typically those women, there's a lot of environmental factors, potentially uh, hormone exposure from plastics, uh, from the environment, really cleaning up their environment is important. And then I also work with a lot of women uh, who are on birth control, getting off of birth control, women who are going into menopause mm -hmm. and having a slew of symptoms, a lot of insomnia, chronic pain, fibromyalgia, a lot of chronic fatigue that I see in women related to hormones. So we're tracing that back to, you know, what's really going on inside the cell? How can we support this woman and her body to uh, function appropriately? And that's really where the peptides get really exciting and are the forefront of medicine for addressing these sorts of uh, disorders, these sorts of symptoms 
in a way that is actually helping the cell to function better. Right. So we talk more right, about right. that. Yeah. So cool. Um, yeah, I was going to uh, hold off before getting to the peptides, but let's get straight into the peptides. I think most folks right now don't know about peptides, at least wh- whomever I speak to so far is not aware. So can you give our listeners a little bit of a, an overview of what peptides are and how you use them in your practice to help out your, your patient population? Yeah, absolutely. So there are some fairly new piece of medicine. So there's probably a lot of people who haven't heard about it. And essentially, uh, we use these peptides in medicine. Most people have probably heard the word peptide from their collagen peptide supplement, maybe their skincare product that has some peptides in it. Uh, some of the hair loss treatments do as well. And so that's probably where most people have heard that word peptide before. But essentially what a peptide is, your body uses a lot of signaling. 24-7, 365, we're using hormones and peptides to signal different processes in the body. We want to either build or break down. We want to digest our food. We want to utilize that to build other tissues. So what happens when you eat a piece of protein, say a piece of chicken, that's a protein that breaks down into all these uh, peptides, which are just chains of amino acids. So you can think about boxcars in a train that are all connected, and those are all amino acids. So we have, you know, any different number of combinations of amino acids that we can make, different chain lengths uh, that can produce a different signal in the body. And that's essentially what peptides do. They signal uh, different pathways in the body. So we can use these for signaling a healthy immune response, which is a really relevant right now. Mm-hmm. We can use them for signaling some of these repair hormones when somebody's injured, when they uh, just got in a car accident, when they come out of surgery, when they got in a bike accident, we can use some of these peptides to help their body repair faster. Mm-hmm. We can also use some of these peptides to turn back the clock a little bit. We can boost things like growth hormone, um, boost some of these chemicals in the brain that help us learn with memory, BDNF. We have peptides that are intranasal form that can help with cognitive performance. So there's really, I'd say there's probably a peptide that addresses almost any concern or relates to a specific tissue that we're trying to uh, help to function better and to help the cell to we're really working on cellular efficiency, helping the cell to work uh, better when it is under stress, under pressure, under viral load. So, right. yeah, quite a quite a broad uh, explanation, but there's a lot of uses for these peptides. Um, so how do you, let's say you have um, a patient come in, let's say uh, postmenopausal, let's say you do a comprehensive uh, hormone test like the Dutch, mm-hmm. um, and let's say... Uh, all of her estrogens are, for example, very low, maybe close to the bottom of, of the postmenopausal range or even be lower than that. What kind of, what would, um, how would peptides complement the overall protocol you would, um, you know, prescribe to that lady? Great question. Yeah. And I'd love the Dutch test. It's great that you know about the Dutch test. Yeah, I love it as well. Yeah. So, Peptides work really great in tandem with bioidentical hormones. In fact, peptides are very bioidentical because your body makes all the peptides that we utilize therapeutically. They just are in decreased levels. So yes, we run a hormone test. We find out what the the hormone levels are, looking at estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, cortisol rhythm, cortisol curve, and seeing what's happening there. So that's really pillar one testing gut function, all of the, the basics. And then once that's optimized, then we can add in, I would say pillar two is adding in things that can boost our repair capacity, boost uh, regeneration of skin, collagen as we age, boosting uh, hair. A lot of women complain of hair thinning with age oh, yeah. or yeah. graying. And so there's definitely some things that we can help the cell to repair and regenerate to really create those healthy tissues. So uh, yeah, we always look at the hormones first 
and assess what's happening there. There are some there are some peptides that can be used very strategically for fertility. They can boost uh, the signaling in the brain. So that pituitary gland, which does the master control of all of our hormones, it can help improve the function of that. For men, we can use this peptide called gonadarelin. We also use that in women sometimes for fertility, but it signals that uh, pituitary, it signals LH uh, in a woman that we're trying to promote conception or, or who wants to have a baby. So there's definitely options that can be really helpful in that process. Mm. Yeah. Can, can we actually, can we segue for a second about fertility? I know we, I, the exa- the question I asked was about a postmenopausal woman, but what, so gonadarelin, what other peptides would you use if a client came to you or a patient came to you wanting to either, you know, reverse infertility or boost fertility prior to conception? Yeah. So there's a combination of, of peptides called CJC1295 and ipamorelin. And those two are often combined because they're more effective together than they are apart. And so uh, they do improve IGF-1 levels, not above what your body can produce, but they do optimize what your body can produce. And we know that there's better fertility outcomes when your IGF-1 is uh, at a sufficient level versus really mm-hmm. low. So that's one thing that can decrease as we age with stress, especially as women get closer to 40, their IGF-1 level will drop substantially. It's really uh, a challenge too when a woman has a existing autoimmune condition, right? Autoimmune thyroid or any sort of autoimmune issue that's going on and she's trying to get pregnant. It's a whole different consideration. So we might add in a peptide that helps with that immune regulation component before she conceives. So, and how that would work is it's going to not, not be an immune boost and throw her immune responses through the roof, but really regulate and modulate what's happening. So produce the appropriate amount of T cells and B cells that uh, recognize pathogen and spare the self. They don't attack their own thyroid. They don't attack their own uh, GI lining Mm -hmm. or tissue. So in a woman with autoimmunity looking for fertility, we're going to really address immunity. That's a huge piece. So really it's very specific to the woman, her concerns, um, what's happening in the body at that time. There's other amazing nutrients, things that we can use like DHEA and acetylcysteine, glutathione, uh, zinc, selenium, these fundamental nutrients that you need to conceive as well. Yeah. Actually, I I did want to ask you about how would you uh, use DHEA? Um, Would would you just use it as a, let's say if, if hormones were low, you add that and just as a, as a uh, you know, the, the body will then know whether it wants to convert it to estrogens or testosterone. Is that kind of your, the, the reasoning behind DHEA? Yeah. So you can test the DHEA level. It's a precursor to testosterone. Uh, it's not for use in everyone, but we refer to it as kind of an anti-aging uh, hormone. Mm-hmm. And women who are low in that, especially going into menopause, their brain tends to age faster. They experience more decline. Sleep can be an issue. So DHEA is just an overall, it's kind of a, it'll turn into testosterone, it'll turn into other metabolites, like on the Dutch test. But it's not to be used in everyone. In a fertility situation, we're testing those hormone levels, DHEA included, and optimizing that if it's not at the appropriate level. Yeah. And what what would you if so if let's say you um you see a woman in her mid twenties let's say early thirties and you see low testosterone there would DHEA be the first port of call what would you make of that result uh, test result and what would be like some potential ways you would treat that Yeah so I like to start with depending on how low it is. Uh, I like to start with some botanical options that are a little bit lower, uh, 
usually cost point, easier intervention to add in things like maca. Uh, we can add in some an herbal blend that will boost their testosterone levels. Adding in more protein, some of those healthy amino acids, uh, you know, getting them weight training, getting them sleeping through the nights, a lot of those fundamental pillars. But we can also use something like an adarelin in a woman to boost testosterone. If she's very low, uh, we can boost that. The, the trend that I do see quite often in younger women is that they're having higher testosterone levels than ever. And mm. men in their twenties and thirties are having lower testosterone levels than ever. So PCOS usually has that high testosterone picture, but women in their fifties and sixties, often they drop off and testosterone is the age. So that's really a concern for them is how can we, sometimes it's bioidentical testosterone. If we're really low and we're mm. headed into menopause and if it's a younger woman, typically I go the botanical route or we'll add in some sort of peptide in a low dose. Mm. But I think it's it's safe to assume that before you do that or in concurrently, you you really focus on improving sleep, improving the diet, reducing toxic exposure, supplementing, things like that, correct? Yeah. One of the really critical things that uh, some of these peptide therapies address is, for example, the, the peptides that boost that growth hormone response. We mm -hmm. take them fasted at night. And what happens is that most women, many women have insomnia or difficult sleeping through the night. And we can introduce something like that CJC hypermorelin peptide. They get deep delta wave sleep restorative, reparative sleep. That's when hormones regulate, your body can make them more effectively. So typically the picture of high chronic stress sleep deprivation is a, a downhill for most women's hormones, yeah. natural production of hormones. So mm. of course we need to make sure that we can help them cope with stress, that yeah. elevated cortisol response. And then if we can get them sleeping really deep through the night, we know that their hormones are going to be made more efficiently yeah. as a result. Is yeah. there a place for that DSIP deep sleep or delta sleep inducing peptide or would that be like a short-term strategy? Yeah. Yeah. I actually just did a post about this today. So the DSIP has a lot of benefits. Uh, I use that in, and this is less relevant now, but before COVID I had quite a few people who were doing this international trips from the United mm. States to Asia and back and switching time zones. And DSIP is really phenomenal at adjusting that circadian rhythm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It also has some other uh, protective effects. So it can lower some inflammatory levels. It can help with the cortisol response in the body. And uh, that's a big piece in, in actually regulating the circadian rhythm or the sleep cycles. When is that cortisol spiking? We want it to be in the morning. And mm -hmm. not later oh, yeah. on in the day, right? Absolutely. So, so yeah. Actually, oh, one one I think big problem with the pep peptides and what what I noticed I was on your website before we 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 started the call and I saw that you you actually have you carry a few different peptides that are in the oral tablet form. A big problem with peptides is that most of them seem to be. Um, First of all, you need to inject them subcutaneously, but a lot of them are only sold for research. Um, how do you source your peptides? How 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 is this going to improve for for folks out there? What's your take? Yeah, that's also a very timely question. So there is uh, I only use compounding pharmacies to source the peptides. It takes about a half a million dollar machine to actually test them. So they have to wow. make them test them and then ship them out to individuals. So it's a prescription, right. To send that out. You work with a practitioner, but there is a huge black market for peptides. There are, you know, on these online distributors, uh, a lot of them are shipped in from China or other countries where they've been sitting on a shelf and they're not tested uh, appropriately. But that is oftentimes somebody's first introduction to peptides is finding them at an online retailer. Nothing wrong with that. Um, but there is a kind of a quality issue there. So yeah. 
So yeah, that is changing uh, in terms of regulation. The FDA in March of this year of 2020 uh, changed some of the regulation on, on, on many of these peptides and where mm-hmm. they can be produced, turned a few of them into biologic drugs so that they can even be produced by a compounding pharmacy. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that's, that's the main thing is we really want to source them through somewhere we know what we're injecting into our body. I know you and I really pay attention to what we put in our body, food and supplements, yeah. sleep. Yeah. And so, same applies with anything that you inject into your body. You want to make sure that it's not going to be uh, a not effective because I have seen that some of the ones that are bought online may not be as effective, um, but also you don't want to have a situation of infection or sepsis trying to do it from Especially, home. So, yeah. 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 Well, to be, to be, see, this is one thing I, I'm not even sure if there's any compounding pharmacies in europe uh, do, do you know of any or because i, yeah. I just can't seem to find any yeah that's it's a good question problem. that is the big problem and i've had clients from other countries reach out to me about where can i get these in my country yeah. and the issue is sourcing and i think that'll begin to change it's fascinating because the whole peptide industry actually started in europe that's where a lot of their research happened in Russia. A lot of these oh, yeah, athletes of were using them for performance. And that's why they were yeah. winning all these competitions because their performance was so much better. So the, back in the 1980s, there was a lot of research in Russia and even in Europe, Germany, uh, on a lot of these peptides. Dates back to then for athletic performance. And then we realized, oh, they do have some other benefit, therapeutic use. And we've since done research in a lot of these other using them for fertility, using them for uh, deepening sleep, improving longevity. Mm. So Yeah. That's, yeah you so see, that's the thing. Like uh, I'm a little bit, um, how do I say, a biohacker. Uh, I'm not too risk averse. So I found what I think is the best company in the UK. And I got some, to be perfectly honest, I got some research grade yeah. peptides. Yeah. Um, I would never recommend anyone listening to this or a client of mine or you know, family member or a friend, I'd never recommend them to do that, but I'm a little bit, you know, out there and, um, yeah, I, I don't want to do it though. That's the, you see, that's the thing I, I would love to, the problem with ordering stuff from the States is you have to pay import duty and, you know, cu- yeah. they can get held up at customs and, you know, with peptides, ideally you want them frozen as quickly as possible and stuff like that. So I would love, uh, maybe, you know, keep in touch if, if you learn of any developments, yeah. In Europe or in the USA, if we can find a way to kind of get them over to Europe, I would, I'd love to kind of, you know, um, collaborate there because I'm sure there's a lot of people that could benefit. Yeah, but, um, I, I agree. I think the sourcing is the concern and I'm working on a couple other developments in other countries to improve that. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. I also saw you have NAD patches on, or you carry them and we can talk about that a bit later. But yeah. I just realized um, that I'm a little bit absent-minded today. Uh, I realized, I, I didn't really ask you, what was your kind of experience, your story with peptides? I know I I, I, I saw you talk on the um, Peptide Summit and you were talking about how you got CJC and Ipamorelin. That was kind of your first four. Can you Tell the listeners, what was your experience with these peptides? I know these growth hormone releasing peptides, um, you know, they, they can do a lot of amazing things for a person of any age. So maybe can you give the listeners what your experience was and why you were so passionate about them? Yeah, more clear. absolutely. I think that's a valuable story to include. So I'll talk about the CJC hypermorelin, but I really want to go back to the time that I was very sick. And when I used the peptides to restore me back to health. So this was towards the end of uh, my training in medical school. And yeah, so it was around the time I was taking medical boards and I had pretty severe brain fog. I had a lot of skin issues. I had eczema as a kid, but it resurfaced due to 12 years of chronic stress. I had gut issues. Um yeah, the brain fog is probably the worst because when your livelihood revolves around your brain function, it's mm-hmm. a scary thing when you can't oh, yeah. think and plan. 
And so uh, I actually, I did some lab testing and I found out I had a candida gut infection, which is a very common thing to happen as well. And a lot of individuals with chronic eczema and psoriasis, oftentimes they do have some sort of candida overgrowth or gut overgrowth, and they don't know that that's driving the skin issue. Mm. Right. So I figured that out and uh, I used a lot of natural medicine gut restore protocols, leaky gut protocols, uh, detoxing, sauna, kill vine sweat protocols. And I actually, I made some progress, but it wasn't until I found the peptides that I made leaps and bounds of progress. So I did three different peptides in a row. One was called LL37, which is actually researched to wake up the immune surveillance and kick candida albicans out of the gut very successful for that. And then I used another peptide, which we mentioned called thymus and alpha, which is an immune regulator. I had really low immune surveillance in the gut, like nothing was happening. Mm. So I had to support my immune system so that it could respond and kick out the bad guy. And then uh, what was the other one? Then I used LDN, which is called low dose naltrexone by another name. Mm. And that's also an immune regulator. So I like to use LDN or thymus and alpha. The other amazing thing that happened for me is I was down to eating very few foods. Everything would flare and trigger me. I had a lot of food sensitivities because of all the stuff that was happening in my gut, a lot of histamine responses. My immune system was out of whack, responding to everything I ate. So the peptide protocol, those three in a row, my food sensitivities completely disappeared. That's amazing. Yeah. And so, and the skin, my skin cleared up, my gut cleared up, my brain function improved dramatically. And it was the peptides that really moved the needle for me Mm. in terms of reversing all of that. How long Uh, ago was that? That was about two and a half years ago. Okay. Now. Yeah. So that was fairly recently. Um, and yeah, and so that was the the major turning point. The other piece that really helped with the adrenal fatigue post med school was working on mitochondria and using NAD and some of these therapies that support brain health and restoring our body's ability to make cortisol in appropriate amounts. That was a, also a game changer for me after sleepless nights and a lot of stress and uh, fatigue. Yeah. yeah, good good segue into the so okay. Let's let's uh, kind of go down a little rabbit hole here. So, can you sure. explain to folks what NAD is, and um, we we can maybe uh, there's NR nicotinamide riboside, there's NMN nic- uh, nicotinamide mononucleotide, mm-hmm. and um, can you explain, folks, what what is NAD and these these two NR and NMN these supplements? What can they do? Um, and what are the benefits? And maybe you can weave in the mitochondria story. I know a lot of folks are probably be interested in that. Yeah, absolutely. So NAD, it's a it's a cofactor. It's something that every cell in our body needs. Essentially, you have the cell, and then you have all these different parts of the cell that help it to work appropriately. And one of those machines inside the cell is the mitochondria, which produces energy, ATP, that keeps our muscles fueled all day long, our brain cells going all day long. And uh, NAD, or that form of B3, is really important. So it's Uh, a form of a B vitamin, B3 vitamin. It is, yeah, form of B3, vitamin B3. And it essentially keeps that process churning so that we're continually making ATP to fuel our brain cells, our nervous tissue, our muscles. Those are the two tissues where we really find a lot of mitochondria, 10,000, way more than any other tissue. So when mitochondria start suffering, and why would that happen? It's lack of sleep, high stress lifestyle, Um, environmental exposures, EMF, processed foods, a lot of these kind of stressors on the body can really tax those mitochondria, any sort of oxidative stress, which is many things that we encounter, uh, can damage those mitochondria. So we think about antioxidants, we think about adding an NAD to keep the mitochondria healthy and alive, functioning and producing energy all day long. 
But what happens is some of the symptoms that you might experience if your mitochondria are working at less than 100% capacity is typically the brain fog, which is what a mm -hmm. lot of young people experience. It's kind of sign number one. Uh, fatigue is a big one. A lot of my fibromyalgia patients, chronic fatigue syndrome patients, anybody with adrenal fatigue, we're thinking about, okay, what can we do to, to help their mitochondria to work normally again? And this is also relevant to men's hormone health and women because all of our hormones are made in the mitochondria. Our cortisol is made there, our progesterone, uh, estrogen, right? That's, they're made in specific cell uh, tissues in men versus women, but the part of the cell that they're made in is actually the mitochondria. Yeah. So we need to focus on how can we help our mitochondria to make those hormones appropriately. And mm -hmm. NAD is one thing to improve that. So, so there's a, a, a few ways to get NAD. You can get NAD intravenous, uh, uh, sublingual. You can get these patches, uh, uh, which I only learned today. And then there's these NR and NMN precursors. What, what do you think is kind of the, the best way to, to get the NAD and what's kind of, let's say, I want to say most value for money, most cost effective, because I think with these anti-aging mitochondrial boosting strategies, we also have to be cognizant of the price because you want to do this pretty much for life. Yeah. yeah. It's a great point. Yeah. So I would say the least accessible for most people is the IV form. Anytime you do an injection or an IV, you're going to get way more bioavailability, meaning you're going to get most of it. If you take anything orally by mouth, has to be digested, go through the, the GI tract, the liver is going to rob some of it. You never get 100%. Yeah. So if you're thinking about bioavailability, any sort of injection, even the patch is going to give you better of a bioavailability. The IV is probably the most expensive. The patch is substantially less expensive. Uh, a box of those is about 300 and that's six patches. Each patch is of what, $50. And you get the dose that you would get in an IV or more. And that lasts get... for about a week, right? Yeah. So most people will have a, them do a patch a week as a maintenance. If we have somebody who uh, has cognitive decline, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, they have MS, they have ALS, have a chronic degenerative disease, we're going to up that dose and, and frequency because yeah. we want to really help them feel better. So, yeah. And then I would say uh, there's also utilization. Uh, one of the ways that you could take NAD is also intranasally. Mm. Yeah. So you can get this blend. It's called Synapsin. It's a trademarked blend of three different things. Usually it's NR, which is the precursor to NAD. Then you have methylcobalamin B12 and RG3, which is red Korean ginseng. So it's those three combined that protect the brain, protect against neuroinflammation, could potentially be amazing for uh, even uh, brain function in children, mm. <laughs> possibly. Uh, so that's available widely in the U. I wouldn't say widely. It's available in the U.S. It's something I prescribe to anybody experiencing brain fog. Uh, poor mitochondrial function, also mycotoxin exposure because that can negatively impact the brain and cause a lot of brain fog. Of it protects that brain tissue. Yeah. So yeah. And, uh, what what about um, if, if because I actually <clears throat> did a bit of research today into NAD. I I can find in Europe that is you know it's mm -hmm. again. It's just, it's so, especially in Portugal, it's so difficult getting stuff from, from the state. So I found sublingual NAD and um, intranasal. Great. But NR and NMN are a little bit more common and they, they seem to be a little bit more cost effective. What would you, what's your take on those two compounds? Are, are they much less effective? What, what would you, what would you advise? Yeah. So the, it's kind of an example similar to, how NAC or N-acetylcysteine turns into glutathione, NR and NMN in your body will turn into NAD. So mm. if you want to get the most active bioavailable one, get the NAD. Although NAD is 
if you just slather it on your skin, nothing happens. And yeah, it's not bioavailable transdermally other than through a, a iontophoresis patch. But the my preference is to use straight NAD in places where we can't get somebody an NAD IV, NAD patches, or the NAD intranasal, because pretty much you have to have refrigeration required for all of those. So shipping anywhere is difficult. Uh, using a sublingual form is is better than nothing, I would say. Right, right. right? Or, or even a, there are some capsule forms, but I think sublingual is even better because it's absorbing it in the mucosa, getting into the bloodstream. I'm in my practice, I'm steering away from using a lot more of the capsules with the exception of a few peptides that are available in capsule and actually work that way. Most of them are not available in capsule and are not effective in a capsule form. BPC is kind of an exception to the rule. KPV is another one that they're kind of sister molecules that help with gut health. So those are capsule forms. But anyway, we can use an intranasal we can do a transdermal. We can in, do an injection, especially for these chronically ill patients that likely have gut absorption issues. That's going to be yeah. way better, way more effective. Yeah. By the way, what do you what do you tell? Like, let's say you have a patient come in, and you tell her, okay, you know, six to eight daily supplements, maybe a couple of in, a subcutaneous peptide injections twice a day. What do you say to people that are a little bit averse to, you know, never mind the injections themselves, but a, a lot of you know, people I, I speak to are very much like, what, you take 10 supplements, you take 15 supplements a day. How do you kind of bring them around to this side of the fence, as it were? Yeah. Yeah. So there, there's a specific, I'd say there's a lot of individuals that reach out to me because they're interested in optimization or feeling better. Mm. Uh, I would you know, there's that timely quote that says, if you don't make time for wellness now, you have to make time for illness later. And so the goal of all of this is to put more life into our years and for some of us to expand our lifespan, but we don't want to be ill for the last 30 years of it. We want to be thriving and healthy. So that that's what I would say. It's an, it's an investment in you and that's a mm. self-worth. That's a understanding of the value of time and money and energy and life and health yeah 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 people spend more money on their cars than themselves it's it's kind of and their iphones too yeah. yeah exactly yeah. Right. clothes and others other crap that we don't need um uh what so other okay so so some of the best things right now that we have the cutting edge is peptides uh, NAD or, you know, mm -hmm. it's precursors. Yeah. What other awesome stuff do you use in your practice? Uh, what do you do like, uh, intravenous vitamin cocktails, any other cool stuff you use? I do. Yeah. I'm trained in IV therapy. So I was doing some in-home and in-office IVs during COVID that are specific nice. for immunity. You can do the NAD that way. I'd sometimes I'll just add in a little bit of NAD because NAD is also, or mitochondria are involved in the antiviral response. Yeah. So NAD, NR, and NMN are also recommendations that I give to post-COVID syndrome patients mm. on purpose. So and yeah, are these IVs. ever gonna be available? Like, uh, like, will I ever be able to order some? I don't know, like a Myers cocktail. You know, maybe. Uh, a person intravenously injecting themselves is not the best idea, but is there ever going to be like another way for us to, to get these just shipped out and self-administered? Do you think? The IVs, yeah, are a little bit harder, but I would say the, why the peptides are so exciting and cutting edge for me is that they're therapies that can be administered from home. Yeah. And many of these can have a dramatic health effect, positive changes for somebody in a commitment of one minute to two minutes a day of an injection, very easy to do from home. So yeah, I think that the peptide world is really bridging. How can we put medicine in the hands of people so that they can take care of themselves, teach mm -hmm. them how to use it, 
put them on the right protocol that they, for their body and their specific health concerns. But yeah, the, the peptides, you actually can infuse some of these in an IV. I have a good friend who uh, uses a lot of thymosin alpha, uses thymosin alpha in IV uh, to get people out of wheelchairs from fluoroquinolone toxicity, so antibiotic toxicity. So these can be really powerful because they help the cell to function better, whether you have a chronic illness or you're looking to um, just feel better, live longer, improve quality of life, brain function. They can have the optimization effect, and they can also have the effect of helping chronic chronic pain or chronic uh, issues. Yeah. Yeah. So if someone is looking to optimize, how would you psycho, let's say, CJC, ipamorelin? Would you do like three months on, three months off? Would it be a little bit more complex? Yeah. So typically when somebody reaches out to me and we talk about a peptide protocol, I have a, a bit of a formula that I follow. So if they come to me and they have an, any sort of immune dysregulation, and sometimes they don't know that they have immune dysregulation, <laughs> Um, for example, a, a candida gut infection could be an immune dysregulation issue, even though it looks like a gut issue. Yeah. Uh, any sort of autoimmune condition, a lot of times people with severe allergies, asthma, any sort of food sensitivities, that's an immune dysregulation issue. Mm. Cancer is even immune dysregulation issue. There's a lot of things that fit in that category that people don't really think that are so related. So. Mm-hmm. Focus number one, step one is address the immune system. That's usually a thymus and alpha. It's usually looking at the gut, adding in either injectable or capsule BPC. And then after, if that's not an issue for the person, then we kind of move on to stage two, uh, which would be more of our optimization protocol. Okay, so that would be the three months of, of CJC, uh, about 10-week protocol where we have them injecting five out of seven days a week fasted. And so that's an amazing one, especially if we're, if the client comes to me and hormones is the goal, we're trying to optimize hormones, whether they be in menopause or they're a a younger person, they're an athlete. That's a phenomenal one. If somebody comes to me and they just got in a massive accident or they're healing from surgery, we really start with the repair peptides because that's first and foremost is to help them heal. And so I'm using something like BPC and thymus and beta. It's a beautiful combo for Mm -hmm. upregulating that repair in the body, especially if connective tissue and bone and uh, and muscle tissue. So it depends on the needs of the patient, but, uh, and, and what's going on, what are their goals, where are they at in their health? Some people have all of the things optimized and they come to me for that next thing that will And, and get them to the next level as an athlete. And some people come to me really chronically ill. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It seems like from a, a lot of the research I've done, I even got uh, Dr. Seed's Peptide uh, Protocols book. It's awesome. pretty cool. I'm looking for Yeah, <laughs> it's right there. It's, uh, um, yeah. Um, it seems like uh, a mixture of BPC-157 with either Thymus and Alpha uh, 1 or... Um, uh, uh, Thymus in beta four is a great just for most, even if it's just for anti aging. I think it's just to kind of the the body will know what to do with the peptides, and then followed by or I don't know in some cases maybe concurrently with a CJC growth hormone releasing hormone and peptide. Um, I think it just seems like those four uh, have s- are so many different uses be it autoimmunity just yeah. anti-aging getting even just getting jacked if, if a guy or a gal wants to just put on a ton of muscle lose a ton of weight you know with intermittent fasting this kind of what i've been using uh cjc with ipa in the morning to do like longer fasts obviously in the evening and i'm noticing now you do deadlifts and two days later you're like i can deadlift again and mm-hmm. you know before it'd be like five six seven days you can still feel some pain so I think these are incredibly amazing. But here's another question I I, I think I, th- I, th- I forgot to ask. So the mit- the mitochondrial function. Um, how do you actually determine whether someone needs a bit extra support? Now, my personal preference is the organic acids test from the Great Plains Lab. We have a ton of you know 
uh, fatty oxidation um, mitochondrial markers. What's your kind of go-to to test to diagnose? Yeah, yeah, I do no test. That's the best way. Oftentimes, you know from somebody's past medical history and when they tell you about their lifestyle, you and they one of the telltale signs in terms of symptoms because there is the lab test, the O test, but a lot of times the symptoms will tell you if they have chronic fatigue, if they have fibromyalgia, if they have some of these long-term cellular degeneration components, the mitochondria is the first to be hit. So, so yeah. uh, But when somebody feels extremely fatigued after a workout, the workout takes them out. That's a, that's a telltale sign for me that they probably have some mitochondrial fatigue because you just beat up the muscles for an hour or however long their workout is. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, without extraneous factors, that's not a three hour workout or like an NFL workout or anything. I think anybody would be tired after a certain amount of time, but if they do a normal daily activity and they, they're beat, they're exhausted afterwards. You know, that's a, that's one of the things that I assess because m- many people feel energized after they have a workout and they're ready to go for the rest of the day. But the opposite yeah. effect is probably related to mitochondrial decline. Yeah, I think I think a lot of people, they're so used to feeling crap that they think, oh, you're supposed to be tired at the end of the day. You're supposed to be tired after this and that. But no, actually, maybe... Maybe no, we we were built where you can not eat for like five days. And then if you see an animal, you can run after, sprint after it and, and, you know, try to kill it and eat it. You know, this is how we're built. You're not going to collapse. So I think um, I love what you're doing is because um, you can address really complex, chronic, horrible issues. uh, But then, you know, once that person is at baseline, you can kind of elevate them the next level. You know, this is why I love talking to and associating with folks like yourself um, Amber, I want to be respectful of your time. So a, a couple of questions before we we go. Um, is there any um, kind of, I know you have um, your peptides guide. Is there anything you want to kind of promote that the listeners can kind of, you know, learn a little bit more about peptides, check out your stuff, any blog posts or anything for the beginners out there? Yeah, there's lots of places that they can connect with me and find out more. So if they go to peptideplaybook.com, that's, uh, they can put their email in. They'll get sent the, that peptide playbook, which is just more information about peptides. Uh, specific ones, a lot of the ones that we talked about today are in there. And then there's also a Facebook group that I have uh, for questions. Anybody who's utilizing peptides and wants to share their experience or ask questions, and if you look for Peptide RX, uh, Recreate Your Health, or just search for Peptide RX, you'll find it on uh, Facebook. And then I have an Instagram page that has a bunch of posts about different peptides and how they work. They can also find me uh, for a peptide consult if they don't know anything about peptides and they want to learn and they want to you know, talk to somebody who's a practitioner, create a protocol. Even if they are in another country, we can still uh, create of a plan for them to to work through that with peptides so and they can find that at uh dr amber ambernd.com you can book a cool. consult there yeah. yeah we'll have all those links in there and so would you even be able to let's say someone in you in europe um would you be able to get the stuff compounded in the u.s and sent to them would that be possible even? it's possible it's the shipping it's the shipping uh that's the, the trouble, but we're going to, we're going to change that in the next five to 10 years. There will be countries that are opening up availability and sourcing for these peptides. Awesome. Yeah. Hopefully, yeah. because this is like, honestly, I get excited a lot about the different things. I'm one those, that type of character that I'm constantly excited about something, but this I've never been, I don't think I've been excited about something like, like this for a long time. I think this is going to be an absolute game changer. You Let's hope both, that. Christian. Yeah. Yeah. Let's hope that the pharmaceutical industry doesn't have other plans because um, I think what people need to know is that these things are not patentable. That's why they're, because a lot of people will ask, well, why isn't it mainstream? Why does my doctor not know about it? It's because they're not being promoted because they're not patentable. So there's no profit there to be had. Right. So, exactly. Yeah. Big yeah. pharma can't turn them into a drug and sell. Exactly. Yeah. They're and Amber, one, one final question. Now, 
needless to say, probably your pep- peptides are one of your favorite kind of tools to stay young, to stay healthy, to, to you know, maintain your longevity. But mm-hmm. what are some other supplements, biohacks or other tools that you use to, you know, promote longevity, stay healthy, et cetera? Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, I, so I have a red light sitting right next to me. Oh, nice. You can see it. And I love to sauna. I think those are two passive, easy ways. You can be reading a book, listening to an audio book or doing anything while you're, while you have a red light on and it boosts mitochondrial function again. So uh, the sauna is phenomenal for detox. I feel like my skin is better when I do that. Yeah. Exercise, getting the heart rate up, but also uh, that heart rate variability and then bringing that breath back down. I try and meditate every morning that Mm. my day is entirely different when I do that. And uh, sometimes I'll do it with my partner. We'll do that in the morning and it just changes the entire course of the day. There's so much research on 10 minutes of silence and how that can impact all these factors, stress, chronic disease, sleep immunity, yeah. immunity. Yeah, yeah. so that just some of this the most basic free simple accessible things are some of the most powerful things you could do absolutely yeah. absolutely um yeah i have i have i think i might have the exact same red light actually use that Great. absolutely every single day it's too. definitely one of my favorite things. any supplements you will you you use that we didn't discuss other than you know nad and things like that Ooh, yeah, I actually, well, since I have it sitting on my desk, I take a lot of things that are for uh, cognitive performance. So sometimes I'll take some of the peptides like C-Max or Selenc for, they're an intranasal for cognitive mm. performance, but I really like uh, Qualia's. Oh, they have a, yeah. this is a mitochondrial blend. It's one of the, it's expensive, but it's one of the yeah. best that I've found. So I do yeah. take some uh, supplemental mitochondrial support, B vitamins yeah, yeah. every day. So we need those every adrenals. day yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. actually uh, i've tried that yeah. qualia supplement i've tried uh, a few of theirs yeah they're really good stuff good. Um, yeah you see the, by the way the reason i ask is not just for my own curiosity um it's because i am trying to get the people in my life especially the women in my life um to take more supplements to take their b vitamins to take their nac glycine creatine things like that so um I think one of the best ways is to get folks, super knowledgeable folks like yourself on that, you know, when, when you share a part of your daily practices, I think it, you're setting a good example for, for other ladies out there, other humans out there, not just ladies, you know? So, um, yeah, really thank you so much for your time, Amber. Um, we have all, all the links in the show notes. Uh, folks can, you know, reach out to you, get, join your Facebook group if they want to. And um, yeah, thank you once again for your time. And um, yeah, well, let's stay in touch. Let's stay in touch. Absolutely. Thanks, Christian. Thank you for listening to Connecting Minds. We hope you enjoyed this conversation and found it interesting, illuminating, or inspiring. For episode show notes, links, and further information on our guests, please visit christianjordanov.com. If you found this episode valuable, please share it with someone who might also enjoy it. Thank you for being here.